everybody. This is Kaylee Sorovi from the Minnesota Daily, and you're listening to In the Know, a podcast dedicated to the University of Minnesota. On the quiet St. Paul campus, down a nondescript hallway in the Andrew Boss Laboratory of Meat Science building is the Meat and Dairy Sales Room, a unique destination where students showcase their skills by offering a diverse selection of meat and dairy products that anyone can come and purchase. From delectable cheeses to savory bacon, creamy ice cream to juicy hamburger patties and mouth-watering pulled pork to premium steak cuts. This place is just like your local educational butcher shop. Everything in there comes from either the Meat Science Laboratory or the Joseph J. Wortheson Food Processing Center, also known as the Pilot Plant. According to Ray Miller, the coordinator of the pilot plant, it serves as both a teaching and research facility, bridging the gap between laboratory experimentation and large-scale production. So you want to see if something that's been working in the lab will actually scale up to at least a a minimum amount, a pilot scale, Mm -hmm. and then if that all runs well, then you would take it to production where you're making thousands of pounds, millions of pounds of whatever it is a, a day or a year. Besides being a teaching facility, they also bring in clients from around the country who want to run their experimental trials and carry out their research, develop new products or new ingredients, or take waste products and create something out of them. The sales room has been evolving ever since its creation in the 50s and 60s, Miller said. Back then, they were just doing research on dairy products, so cheese, ice cream, and butter. With any experiment, there are control batches, he said. So, after these experiments were done, researchers would have these batches, have nowhere to go with them, and end up throwing them out because they got too old. And so they were like, well, what can we do to at least recover some of our costs for ingredients and such? for these products that we're making in these experiments. And so that's when they decided they would start running a sales room, but make it low key, non-competitive with other major food companies in the area um, who might fund research or do research here. And so, and so that's kind of how the sales room started. It started out slow, but over time, local residents came to recognize that one day a week, they could access quality products in the area. It stayed that way until the late 70s, early 80s, Miller said. And that's kind of when I came in and we started making, up to that point, they were making like three flavors of ice cream and maybe two or three different type cheeses. And so we started expanding that to where, you know, we would start offering more ice cream flavors and got up to like 25 to 30 different flavors that we were making. They wouldn't all be in there at one time, but they would, you know, there would be at least a minimum of seven or eight flavors. And so once we did that, people started, you know, we started to get more business in as we had more variety. Miller recalls that around 2015, the dairy department started talking with the meat department, which at that point had been selling bulk meat from the basement of the Andrew Boss Meat Science Building. And they said, well, what do you think if we combined and made the store available for folks to get both meat and cheese and ice cream? And so that's when we ended up you know, going into a business with the meats folks as well. 
and it's been very successful and, and really helped both sides. A little side note here, but during my interview with Miller, I had the opportunity to go into the pilot plant. With Miller as my guide, I donned a hairnet and saw firsthand the production processes behind the cheese and ice cream sold in the sales room. While no production was underway at the time, it was incredible to see nonetheless. Walking through a room filled with giant stainless steel machines and learning how it all works. I was also directed to a wall featuring an observation deck, accessible to students curious about the process. Seeing all the work it takes to make ice cream and cheese, I certainly had a newfound appreciation of dairy production after my tour. This is cheese making down here. So we've got these various vats that we put the milk in. We get the milk in a large tank, a refrigerated tank like that. So we can hold it if we need to hold it overnight or whatever to make the next day. And then put it through a pasteurizer plate, plate heat exchanger here. Down on this end is kind of our ice cream processing. So this is where we mix it all up in a tank like this. So you take your cream, your milk, your sugar, your non-fat milk solids, and maybe a stabilizer for binding the water better. Heat it in there, then run it through a homogenizer. That simply breaks the fat down to smaller globules so that they don't separate out. And when you eat your ice cream, you don't get a greasy mouth feel in your mouth. That would not be um, too pleasant. No, so very important piece. And then we'll put it through, again, another plate heat exchanger that'll cool that mix down from 155 Fahrenheit to like 40 degrees in a matter of seconds in that plate. And then the next day is when we'd freeze. And that's what this is. This is the actual ice cream freezer. So it's a vertical barrel in here. This is the barrel, the, the diameter of that. Mm -hmm. And inside that barrel then is a auger that sweeps the surface. So the ice cream freezes on the, on the sides of the barrel, cooled down by Freon. And then, then that blade comes around and s keeps scraping that surface off where the ice cream is frozen. Finally, it comes out here at about 22 degrees Fahrenheit. So it looks like soft serve at Dairy Queen. As for the meat production side of the business, Jordan McCullum has been the meat lab supervisor for the past three years. Yeah, it's really fun because I get to work with the students, um, teach them about meat cutting, processing. I also get to work with the general public, so we do demos like at the state fair um, for various 4-H groups, um, grocery store uh, meat cutters. We get to do a lot of work with a lot of different groups of people, so it's really interesting. Every day is different, which I really love. I did a couple 4-H groups last year and kind of talked about meat processing, and they were divided by age groups so I kind of catered differently to the different age groups but one of the groups was like elementary age kids so we made cheddar hot dogs which was really fun and they had a blast and it was really fun. McCollum says that the meat they acquire is designated for either educational or research purposes. Animals used for research come from various campuses within the university system, not solely the St. Paul campus, but also from research stations scattered throughout the state. For instance, the organic pigs are sourced from Morris. We've been doing a lot of work with them. The way they're raised, there's different standards for organic pigs versus conventionally raised pigs. 
So a lot of the studies we do are based on nutrition. So they're looking at different feeds and how they're feeding animals and how that impacts the meat quality. So that's been interesting. Some of the classes that students studying meat science take look a little different than the classes most of us are probably familiar with. So we have a livestock and carcass evaluation class, so they look at the animals live, and then the animals come to the meat lab, and then the students come back and they get to look at the carcasses. So when the animals are live, they're trying to evaluate what that animal is going to look like. So how big that ribeye is going to be, what the fat's going to look like what that carcass is basically going to yield. So they try to guess that while the animal's live, then they come back after harvest, look at the carcass, do actual measurements, and for educational purposes. Um, and then all those carcasses that we bring in, whether it's for classes or research, all that product is what ends up in our sales room. In addition to dairy and meat products, the sales room offers a few other items. These include honey, seasoning salts from a Minneapolis-based company, and during the fall season, apples, which were grown and developed at the University of Minnesota, McCollum said. So we have honey from the bees on campus. We have maple syrup that is produced at the Arboretum. And we have apples in the fall that are grown for apple research at the Arboretum. So we get different apples throughout the season. So apples get ripe at different times. So we had Honeycrisp, we had First Kiss, we had Sweet Tango. While the exact count of customers isn't meticulously tracked, Miller estimates an average turnout ranging from 100 to 150 people. This figure varies, with some days witnessing a line out the door, while in others, only a few handful of customers. Regardless of attendance, the generated revenue goes directly to financing the meat lab, ensuring its continued operation. It's to pay our students and also just maintain equipment and be able to purchase ingredients and things like that that we have to add to the meat or purchasing the animals that we have to bring in for meat processing. We hire usually somewhere two to four students per semester to work in the pilot plant. They help us with cleaning, setup, analysis, yeah, and production of the, of the different things that we make in there. And so those students, of those students, usually there's one or two that are kind of just mainly focused on the sales room. So their job is to get all the cheeses cut up and the ice cream stocked in the store each week, keep track of the, you know, the cases, the cheese case and the ice cream case in there, make sure they're looking good and are labeled properly and such. Just like with any small business, there are ups and there are downs. Both McCullum and Miller agreed that the biggest issue they face is the sales room being so small. It's not a giant grocery store. It's a small room with refrigerator cases and freezers. Some have considered expanding it, be it the room size or hours open, but at the moment, that's not possible. Yeah, that's that's been brought up over and over again uh, in the past like 15 years or so some that would really like to do that and others who are kind of hesitant. What it would take is to really expand to make it worth expanding is kind of a little bit of a change in philosophy because in order to produce enough products if you're going to expand, for example now we sell 
some to the some of the ice cream up to the student center here but we'd never be able to supply minneapolis campus stores as well and we do supply campus club over there with cheese cheeses they buy a lot of cheese from us but if there were more catering services or places like that that wanted we'd have a hard time again supplying them so to do that you kind of have to get into more of a production type mode and that means something else is going to be removed be it your educational your ability to to train students in in the educational part of it or the research part of it would suffer in theory expanding it is a great idea miller also emphasizes its feasibility citing established precedents at other universities, such as Wisconsin, South Dakota, Cornell, and Penn State. These institutions boast larger facilities and a more extensive array of products compared to the current offerings at the U sales room. And part of the reason it never did expand right away was, again, as I said, the department heads when I first got here were very much against that in that they didn't want us to compete with Lando Lakes or General Mills or other companies that are in the area that sell you know cheese and ice cream and stuff which to me I, I never really saw that because like we're selling this amount these guys are going to be scared that we're somehow taking business it just it didn't never made real sense to me but they were my supervisor so i couldn't really say say much so but now it's much more you know we're looking for visibility we want people to know we're here and that we're doing this and that we're producing really great products as well as doing good research according to their website that product selection comprises approximately 17 cheeses 37 ice cream flavors, and an assortment of meat products spanning from whole carcasses to marinated chicken wings, blueberry summer sausage, and my personal favorite, the maple-flavored snack sticks. I've been there approximately two times, but each time I went, there were both students and the general public alike. It's, kind of, it's like six and then a layer. Six yeah. like a layer. Yeah. In between the layers. Not in between. You all set? Would you like a Every week is so different, so it's hard to say exactly like a really memorable day. I think it's really like heartwarming. I think it's just really cool that the university allows us to kind of take an educational piece and then turn it into something for our customers along with the pilot plan. It's just it's really neat that the students get to experience food processing right on campus, especially on the meat side of things in animal agriculture. This is kind of like the center point of animal agriculture. So it's really cool that the students get to experience and learn how to process meat and be involved in the educational side of it, but then also be involved in the processing and the retail side of things as well. Kind of full circle. <laughs> If you're curious, the sales room is open to the public on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. in room 166 of the Andrew Boss Lab of Meat Science on the St. Paul campus. This episode was written and produced by Kaylee Sorovi. As always, we appreciate you listening in and feel free to leave us an email at podcasting at mndaily.com with comments, questions, or concerns. I'm Kaylee, and this is In the Know.